Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings to one and all, and welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, and I'm honored to be your host. If you're new to the podcast, well, you're especially welcome here. And please know as well that you're in a place of acceptance and understanding, both for you who have Asperger's Syndrome or Autism Spectrum Disorder, and for those of you who do not. This is a podcast made for everyone. For those of us on the spectrum, it's learning to live in a predominantly neurotypical world. And for neurotypicals, well, it's all about understanding how we're unique and wonderfully different. We can learn so many good things about each other when we take the time to see life through each other's eyes. Throughout the years, there have been many approaches to Asperger's syndrome, then autism, and what is now called autism spectrum disorder. Now, it was once thought that autism was a mental illness, and unfortunately, it was treated as such with what we would now consider archaic and brutal medical procedures. Since then, we have learned far more than what we knew even 10 years ago. And along with these changes, so there's been a big change in our culture and how we treat others, how we handle discipline, social differences, and in our medical and mental health practices. Well, this visit in Aspieland, we're going to talk about one specific therapy that's caused a measure of controversy in the autism community. It goes by the common acronym of ABA. It's been my experience that when something is controversial, it should be understood before you can make a judgment on whether it poses a danger or whether it can be a positive contribution. So in light of that, we're going to talk about ABA, both as a possible therapy and just a general understanding of what it's all about in the first place. Now, there are those of you who may have a little trouble listening to this podcast because it is about a controversial therapy. If you had traumatic experience with ABA or it causes you any traumatic thoughts, simply skip this podcast and move on to the next podcast or a previous podcast. I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Before I bring out our guest to help us with this visit, I first would like to thank each and every one of you who are listeners to this podcast. And it's a great privilege for me to bring you these messages. I'd also like to ask that you please subscribe to the podcast through the AspieLand.org website. I'd also like to ask if you would consider donating to this podcast. All donations are kept strictly for the use of making this podcast, this thing that you're listening to right now. I don't sell anything. I don't have newsletters. I don't buy advertising. I just do this very thing you're listening to, just making a great podcast for all of us. I really would appreciate your help on that. Okay, let's introduce my guest. Her name is Dr. Allison Burke. She's a licensed psychologist and director of the Autism Diagnostic Clinic at Akron Children's Hospital in Akron, Ohio. She earned her PhD in clinical psychology from Southern Illinois University Carbondale in 2013, 
and an advanced graduate certificate of ABA, our topic for this visit. And she got that from Webster University in 2021. Dr. Burke has eight years experience in assessment of autism spectrum disorder and holds certifications in evidence-based interventions such as parent-child interaction therapy and the peers' social skills curriculum. Dr. Burke, it's a pleasure to have you back on the podcast once again. Thank you for having me. I have heard people in the autism community and some people outside the autism community squawking back and forth about Applied Behavior Analysis, ABA. So I'm like, I'm just kind of in a fog here. What is ABA? I am happy to talk about that. Uh, and I definitely am aware of that that kind of squawking and squabbling that you, that you referenced. So um, ABA, like you said, stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. And really, it's the, the goal of ABA treatment is to target socially significant behavior. So what's meant by that is something that's important for that person to be able to, you know, navigate different daily situations they encounter. An important part of ABA is really understanding the function of a behavior. So anything that you or I do pretty much is behavior. And we've learned it somehow from the conditions in our environment or the way other people respond to us when we perform a behavior. Um, And so that behavior is serving some purpose for us. So for somebody where you're you're trying to figure out, you know, how to increase skills or participation in activities, you really want to understand what function does maybe this challenging behavior have for that person. And there are kind of four main functions that we look at in ABA. So one is um, access. So it may be that this behavior helps me get something that I'm wanting. Um, it could be attention. So Maybe when I do this behavior, people pay attention to me. Which can be positive or negative. For sure, yeah, yeah. And that's in in people across, you know, all different levels of development and ages, for sure. There's also automatic reinforcement. So that would be more kind of your sensory behaviors or kind of self-stimulatory behaviors. And then there's also avoidance or escape. So that's when, you know, maybe this behavior gets me out of doing a task that I don't want to do. So I think a really good example of that is if you have a child in class and let's say that child really does not like math and the teacher presents a math task and the child reaches over and hits their neighbor and gets sent to the principal's office. So the teacher might be thinking, oh, that's a punishment. You know, I sent him out of class. But for the child, you're actually reinforcing or making it more likely for that behavior to happen in the future because it was very successful. It got me out of doing this math work that I don't really like. Okay. So that would be an escape function. So um, so a big part of kind of understanding um, why a behavior might be happening or what's maintaining the behavior often Um, We look at um, what's called the ABC model. So it's um, the A stands for antecedent. So what's happening right before the behavior. The B is the behavior. So very specifically, what does that look like? So we don't just want tantrum. We want like screaming, throwing stuff on the ground, throwing shoes. And then C is the consequence, which it's not necessarily a punishment. It's just whatever, what happens after the behavior. So um, it could be something like... um, you know, if um, a child is child sees some candy in the checkout line at the store, 
Um, the child starts screaming. That's the behavior. And then the consequence is um, mom gives the child the candy. So that would be an example of a really simple kind of ABA okay. model. But those things are just important for us to look at sometimes and figuring out what are the conditions that are maintaining um, or contributing to a behavior. This has a whole lot of um, angles to it. It has a whole lot of different. It does. Um, it, it's just not an A plus B equals C kind of uh, no. thinking. There's so many different uh, causes, effects, and things that are happening there. Uh, it would, I would think for a for somebody like you who would be employing an ABA model, mm -hmm. it would be you would really have to pick and choose and decide hmm, is the right thing or not? Because yes. there's just so many different ways of going at it. Yes, and the the research is so different from typical kind of medical or psychological research because often in ABA um, they use single subject designs. So, for example, um, the, there might be, you have a period of observing the person before applying an intervention, and then you apply the intervention, take data about how often the behavior is happening, and then you withdraw the intervention and take data. So what you might expect to see then is, okay, the behavior was happening at this rate or this frequently before the intervention. Um, let's say we're trying to decrease the behavior. So, okay, we apply the intervention and then suddenly the behavior is happening a lot less frequently or it's a lot less intense. And then we withdraw the intervention and it spikes back up. So that's kind of, um, it's very different than in you know, medical research or, or a lot of psych studies where the, the push is the more people you have participating, the better. So we have like these big kind of studies with hundreds of people and looking to see differences between groups. This is very kind of individualized. And, and um, so I think that's kind of cool too. Well, a little different about it. It is different. It yeah. is very different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like this could be pertinent not only to autistics, but to others as well. Am I, I right or wrong there? No, you're 100% right. I'm so glad you said that because ABA actually originally was developed with people with um, severe developmental disabilities kind of in different institutions back in like the 50s and 60s. Sure, but sure. Over time, there's actually a lot of ABA research that has nothing to do with developmental disabilities at all. So, for example, there's some looking at using ABA techniques to improve sports performance, or it can be used in weight management interventions. There's a lot of components oh. of ABA that are used in um, just kind of okay. general, like, parent support and education programs. So, it's is it just is it just the the autistic community that is having trouble with ABA or is it all kinds of different uh, genres? Yeah, so I think there are a couple things that are that are relevant there and kind of explain why maybe the controversy is more in, in the autistic community. So one is there was someone um, named Lavos who was one of the kind of big researchers that really took ABA and started using it with the autistic population back in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Okay. And um, his research really was focused on um, kind of getting kids who were diagnosed with autism into typical education settings. So getting them out of special education into a typical classroom and also really making them act typical. So I think that is something that people 
understandably take issue yes i've heard that argument that there is a tendency to try to make neurodivergent people into neurotypical people and to be honest you can't do that because you can't make them into something they're not. Right. Nor and, should you. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can, I, I've heard the argument, well, that's why ABA doesn't work. And then they flatly re, uh, just kind of reject it yeah. for, for that purpose. And I'm wondering if, if that's not necessarily misplaced. It's just maybe the conclusion is being misplaced, if you follow my drift. I do. So I think, you know, if we were still operating based on, like, like Lavos, very strict ABA, where it's like 40 hours a week of intensive intervention and just the way it was administered in the past, for sure, like mm-hmm. that, that's problematic. I agree. Yeah. And I think there used to be this big push to families that you, if you don't get your child into this really intensive treatment program early on in life, that basically there's they're not going to ever have a good life nothing nothing great is going to happen for them which we know is is also not true so actually there has been more research over time that showed that you know if you're getting aba therapy you don't need 40 hours a week that's not true kids benefit from a lot less than that but also that really our our goals need to be focused on going back to that socially significant term like for that person what is socially significant? What's important? So the goal shouldn't be to make them act like they're not autistic or to make them, you know, behave in a certain way that we think they should behave. Mm-hmm. That's unethical. So essentially, we want them to just learn learn skills just like kind of with any other therapy that you would do, even with a neurotypical person. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to teach them something new. So an example like toilet training, that's something sometimes that ABA therapists will work on. Those methods are really effective for okay. for something like toilet training. Also, uh, sometimes feeding. So um, for autistic people who have really restricted diets and maybe it's causing issues with you know their nutritional well-being, mm-hmm. sometimes feeding mm-hmm. therapy using ABA techniques will be will be administered. So So you're so if I'm not if I'm understanding you correctly. Yes. ABA is not necessarily used in a holistic sort of way. It's used to direct at specific behaviors within a person's personality. It that's um, does that I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, but. so I think I get what you, I get what you're saying. So it's it's more so um, if you think of it like a, a skill based training or kind of a skill focused okay thing. Okay. So for example, okay, so if you think of it more as teaching skills, so like ABA is very individualized. It's not um, it's not like a one size fits all type of intervention. Okay. So um, you don't just look at somebody and say, oh, they're autistic. We're going to do X, Y, Z with them. It's really focused on understanding what that person's needs are, what their goals or their family's goals are, how to help them get there, what they find motivating or reinforcing, because that's really important, kind of designing a a program based on that. Okay. So you're not talking about the same kind of thing like, Give them a pill and it goes away. Correct. This is not that. No. This is more ongoing 
uh, because you have to do a lot of, sounds like you have to do a lot of research to find out exactly what it is that motivates, what is they react to, things like that. Yeah, and it's very, um, it's very data-driven. And ABA is often used in schools and not just with autistic kids, but with um, kids who are having any kind of difficult behaviors that are interfering with their learning. So, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, often they'll have someone um, really clearly define what behavior is of interest. Okay. So not just saying something like aggression. You know, we want to say specifically, what does that look like? So maybe hitting, slapping, biting, pinching. You yeah. know, and then um, having somebody observe it on multiple occasions and also gather information from parents, from teachers, other people that work with that child, and then put all of that information together to come up with a plan for for how to best support that child in um, being able to kind of participate better in, in the school setting. Okay, okay. Now, do, do you do that sort of work? So I'm actually... I have my certificate in, in ABA. I'm not officially a board-certified behavior analyst, though. I'm in the process of getting my experience hours for that. So I do work under the supervision of someone who does that kind of work. And so I've gone along with her to schools to do observations and kind of have, you know, worked with her in understanding the recommendations that she's making for individual students. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm just trying to understand and assess it. Most people rely on what they hear or what they what they read in Facebook or what they mm -hmm. get on TikTok or what they get in here. That can be kind of really one-sided. Mm -hmm. And and so I kind of wanted to get a clear idea or a clearer idea of positives versus negatives so people can understand, yeah. okay, all right, there is a controversy here. It's a matter of uh, understanding, I would think. Yeah, and, and I really try hard. Um, I think self-determination is very important. And just, you know, as a psychologist, I make recommendations to families. I don't recommend ABA for every kid, you know, by any means, actually. I'm very so selective in who I recommend it for. So not every child with an autism diagnosis needs ABA or would really benefit from it. But I have had families where they've brought up the concern to me that I've read some things about it that were kind of negative and I'm a little concerned. And I say, all right, let me just tell you a little bit about what it, what it is, kind of what it might look like. And then ultimately, if they decide that that's not what they want to do, um, I'm not going to force them or guilt them or make them feel bad or make them feel like they're failing their child. Right. It's, it's a recommendation. It's and intervention that's available, but you know, ultimately, if it's not the right fit for their family or they don't feel comfortable with it, then we just leave it at that. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I know that you're still getting your hours right. uh, for it. So are you seeing any trends towards, okay, younger kids are doing this more or teenagers are having this trouble more that they need more of an ABA style of treatment? I would say it's most typically used for younger kids. Um, younger as in? As in like under age six. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of the ABA programming in the area, like here in Northeast Ohio, it really serves that age group. 
when you get into schools and places like that where they may be using ABA strategies, but it's not like an ABA treatment program, okay. then, you know, obviously that can be used with anyone who, who's in the school. But in terms of kind of the, the treatment, like in a clinical setting, I'd say kids six and under are the most common okay. clients. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So to kind of encapsulate this, yes. for people who are hearing about it, yes. like uh, or re- doing research and trying to find out why is my child doing this or this or mm-hmm. this, and they sense that there's this controversy, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? I think that it's good to talk to different people involved in your child's medical care, your child's education, and maybe get some, some input from them. And if you're thinking that maybe ABA is something you'd be willing to give a try, I always recommend that people contact a few different places and kind of interview the the behavior analyst there. So get a sense of what is their treatment approach like? You know, do they do in-home services or are you required to go to the clinic? Do they require you to commit to a certain number of hours a week or is it individualized? And and just get a, get a sense, um, a feel for, you know, if you feel like this is something that would be a good fit for your child. So that's advice I usually give people if they're kind of on the fence or they're trying to figure out if this is right for them. Talk to a few people who who were involved and, and you might have a better feel for it then. Because it sounds so, well, I hear this over here and I hear this on the right and this on the left. Right. And, and so it, it becomes confusing uh, to, to try to assess gee, is this a good idea or is it not a good idea? Because I I first understood it as being a therapy that was designed for autistics. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, a a big part of that has been insurance. So insurance did not used to cover ABA therapy, and it was often recommended for autistic people, but insurance wouldn't pay for it. So families were having to spend like $80,000 out of pocket a year to access therapy. So obviously most people couldn't do that. Yeah. So there were some families who really advocated to state legislatures. And, and now I think finally in every state, insurance is re- required to provide some coverage for it. But you have to have an autism diagnosis. Right, right. Um, and so what we used to see sometimes is families of children with other kind of delays, they would really want that autism diagnosis because that was the only way that they could get help. For the only way kids. to get through the door. Exactly. And like I said, there was kind of the, the big thing with Lavas back in the day where he did really take ABA and tailor it to people with autism. And a lot of the... That's interesting because yeah. in the 50s, 60s, even up to the 80s, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff about autism in general. Right. And so to apply something that's new, different, and what some may call radical for that, I can see where you would develop this no, you don't, yes, you do kind of a controversy uh, about that. And I think if, if I don't know if any listeners are really big into into reading, but if you're wanting to read more about kind of the science from which ABA grew... B.F. Skinner is the um, the psychologist who kind of is considered like the father of modern behaviorism or of, of radical behaviorism, which is what ABA yeah. comes from. Sure, sure. So he, I will say his his writing is a little dense if you read any of his books. Okay, <laughs> but, okay. Um, but, you know, I think that too may 
be helpful for people who are just wanting to understand a little more about it. Okay, and I'm glad we had a chance to sit down and talk about it because I think there is a need in the way the culture is kind of carving itself mm -hmm. through. Um, there is a need to make sure you understand before you walk into something so you can make an intelligent decision. Uh, if you're a parent with a child who's having behavioral issues mm -hmm. or if you're uh, an a parent of a child who's on the spectrum, mm -hmm. these become things you have to consider. And yeah. if you don't understand them fully, then you're kind of working from a tilted platform. And so... Knowledge is power, right? Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. I guess so. And I know that time is running out, so I'm going to say thank you so much thank you. for being on the program. This is, it's, it's very uh, enlightening uh, to find out this new information exciting to hear all these new things that are happening for the sake of others, which uh, interests me a great deal. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Dr. Allison Burke and a really fascinating look at ABA therapy. I certainly hope you got a lot of good information, help you understand what ABA is about and uh, a little bit about how it works. If you're interested in learning more about ABA therapy, uh, look around, do some investigating, make a better informed decision about how you feel about the ABA therapy. Please make sure that you subscribe to the website at aspieland.org. I would appreciate that very much. And I'd like you to rate and review this podcast, especially if you really like it. Uh, make sure to rate and review it and share this podcast with other people and give your opinion if you like. I'd appreciate that. Please try to stay safe, keep yourself informed about all the things going on around you, and we'll meet up again in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.